Well, we're just about 24 hours away from kickoff between Texas and Texas Tech here with Westcott Eberts. Westcott, how you doing, my man? Doing well, Cameron. Uh, interested to see if this is going to be the last time that uh, Texas plays Texas Tech at home as a conference opponent. Yeah, as we get into conference play, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, we're so engrossed with Texas football and Sark and how the team is doing. We kind of forget that, hey, this might be the last time we play this team at DKR or vice versa, the last time we play this team at their stadium. Yeah, certainly uh, a, a fair amount up in the air on that. Of course, you know, the official departure date for Texas remains 2025. Uh, the SEC recently put out their their 2022 schedule. Um, you know, given how the bylaws are in the Big 12, I think it's extremely unlikely that Texas can get into the conference next year with that 18-month window required uh, for departure. But, you know, I, I think the Texas administration is going to do everything that they can to get out in, in 2023 and start SEC play that year. And so, you know, that that definitely provides a kind of a, a different layer on top of, um, you know, some of these rivalry games, you know, especially against a school like Texas Tech that, um, you know, Texas hasn't always considered a, as much of a rival as Texas Tech has considered Texas their rival. Yeah, especially the, the TCU, Texas Tech, the Baylors, even like Oklahoma State. I feel like we're going to see a little bit more hostility than we already have been receiving over the past few years with Texas heading to the SEC. Yeah, no question about that. And, and certainly – you know, playing this game in, in the friendly confines, um, you know, I'd expect there would be a, a fairly significant, um, you know, Texas Tech contingent. And, um, you know, good luck to all the Texas fans who have to deal with those people this weekend. <laughs> exactly. So as we get ready for this matchup against Tech, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Yippee, another 11 a.m. kickoff. Just love those. Uh, let's start with the Texas D-line. So usually when we think about Texas Tech, especially under um, – Cliff Kingsbury, it was all about the air raid offense, right? About chucking the ball down the field. But under Matt Wells, his third year at Texas Tech, and now uh, Sonny Cumbie, the offensive coordinator, they've kind of shifted to a more run-based team. And if you look back, or look at the years under Matt Wells, their passing yards per game has gone down every year, and their rushing yards per game have gone up every year. And right now they're at a, a high of 170 rushing yards per game. Um, per game, excuse me, and about 270 passing yards per game, which is right about average. But this game on Saturday is going to be more about battle in the trenches, specifically the Texas Texas Tech offensive line versus the Texas D-line. Yeah, you know, the Texas uh, Tech offensive line, I don't think it's played particularly well. Um, you know, if you want to weigh in really quickly on that, I, I know you've watched the film on them. Yeah, um, I think there's – there's some opportunities for Pete Kwiatkowski and the Texas defense to get to Tyler Shuck through blitzing. Um, Stephen F. Austin, they got to Shuck pretty easily, I thought. Blitzing, um, they've only given up three sacks this year, which isn't a large number at all, but he's been hurried quite a bit. Um, from the FIU game, honestly, you kind of have to throw the tape out on that one, in my opinion. No offense to any FIU fans out there. And then Houston, the same thing. They were able to get to Shuck a few times as well. Running, I think they, they're good in, in uh, run blocking schemes, but pass protection, I, I think Texas can can get to them a little bit from what I've yeah, seen on tape. Yeah, and so, you know, I, th I think one of the differences with the Texas Tech offense this year is that, you know, 
or just under Matt Walls in general is, you know, that they've maybe gone a little bit more away from some of the quick game stuff that they used to use, which is, you know, a great, a great supplement to a running game. If, if you're not invested in it, you know, if you're running a lot of 10 personnel, you know, something that Cliff Kingsbury even got away from uh, coming out of the Mike Leach era where he was, you know, you know, pretty, pretty much exclusively, you know, a, a, t- a 10 personal guy, you know, occasionally have some guys like uh, Jason Morrow, like very much, you know, a large wide receiver who would uh, spend most of his time inside. But, you know, I, I think the Texas pass rush will have some opportunities, you know, when they try to make their shot plays, you know, some of that may depend on, you know, whether those are, you know, uh, max protection, you know, packages with, you know, three wide receivers out in the route for Texas Tech. But, you know, I, I think, um, as I mentioned to you before we got started, um, every year heading into the Oklahoma game, you know, one of the biggest determining factor tends to be which team can run the football. And I think that's going to be a big determining factor in this game. Uh, historically, you know, as, as we've been talking about that, that hasn't really been the case. I, I think it will be, you know, right now that the Texas uh, defense is giving up five point. Uh, one yards per carry. Uh, they gave up over seven against Arkansas, uh, four touchdowns. And uh, that's uh, been a really disappointing performance for Texas, I think, because coming into the year, I think the number one strength of the team, uh, perhaps past running backs, but you know, maybe even in competition with that position as being the best position group on the team, there are really high expectations uh, for the Texas defensive line. And, and a lot of that you know, started out in the middle with, um, you know, Keandre Coburn, you know, snacks, being able to eat up those double teams, uh, Mora Ojimo moving inside from uh, to a more natural def- uh, defensive tackle position at, at the three technique after playing outside uh, kind of miscast last year as a defensive end um, Jacoby Jones stepping up into a bigger role, you know, uh, at big 12 media days, you know, Keandre told us that that he thought he was going to be a big a breakout player. You know, that was something that I I bought into as well. You know, based on a, a few flashes from Jones and, and his pedigree. You know, coming out of of junior college and, and having a, a third a rare third year. You know, in a program due to the uh, pandemic, and then um, you know, obviously replacing Joseph Osai was always going to be a big ask. But you know, I would say maybe the biggest surprise along that defensive line is the uh, the play of Ovi Okofo. Um, you know, outside at, at that, um, you know, kind of hybrid position that Texas has. Yeah, and Tech's really going to test this Texas D-line. Uh, Their leading running back right now, Taj Brooks, just a freshman uh, from Maynard, actually, Maynard Mustang alumni. He's averaging over eight yards per carry, and then Xavier White averaging seven yards per carry. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson hasn't played too much this year. Of course, he gashed um, Texas last year for over 100 yards. He had that 70-yard touchdown run that everyone thought put the nail in the coffin for Texas. Um, He might come back this week. So either way, you know, Tech always has a a different running back that seems to come out of nowhere and, and finds ways to gash this Texas defense. And Tech loves to run inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. But I think the opportunity to attack Texas seems to be attacking the edges and really, you know, test the Texas linebackers. Yeah, uh, there is actually, a, you know, a good, um, you know, little piece that, that Longhorn Network had on Oak Hofu and, and some of kind of the breakdowns in, in his discipline and, and technique and, you know, really fulfilling his responsibilities on the edge against Arkansas. Um, that's something that, you know, he really needs to clean up. Um, I wonder if that's contributed a little bit to the fact that LSU transfer Ray Thornton has, 
you know, been the starter and has had a fair amount of playing time, even though, you know, he hasn't had as much production. Um, you know, if, if he plays, I wouldn't expect him to really give Texas anything um, in the pass rush. You know, that I, I think he is who he is at this point in his career. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is culturally a good fit on the team. He's a good leader. Um, he provides a good example in the type of work that he puts in. Um, but on the field, he just hasn't at any point really shown that that he's a playmaker of the quality to live up to the four-star ranking that he had coming out of uh, Colleen Shoemaker, um, I mean, more than half a decade ago. It seems like a, a long time now. I remember driving up there to, to cover him and um, Kendall Jones when Kendall Jones committed back in uh, 2015. But, um, you know, I, I think that the Texas interior needs to play better, you know, at um, – at nickel, I think Anthony Cook has has been good setting the edge, um, but they they need to win a few more a uh, few more blocks inside because um, you know just not very many tackles for loss that go through this from you know the Texas uh, defensive line. Ovio Kofu has three, Thornton has one and a half, Jacoby Jones has one and a half, Jet Bush has one, Byron Murphy has one, uh, Mora Ojimo only has one, Keandre Coburn doesn't even have half of a tackle for loss yet this year. I mean, perhaps understandable with his double teams, you know, I would say, I mean, I think Byron Murphy has, has, um, you know, flashed even more, maybe, you know, Devondre Sweat has half got a little bit banged up, you know, last game. And and so I think, you know, one of the things I'm I'm really going to watch is is how Bo Davis decides to employ that, that deep rotation that he has. And then, you know, whether some of those guys can, you know, really get into the backfield or, you know, at the least kind of, you know, hold Texas Tech to more of those one and two yard games where it seems like Texas, the defensive line has had a lot of plays this year where they're right around the ball and they're not necessarily always missing tackles, but they just aren't making those, you know, negative plays or or stops at the line of scrimmage. And, and they've just had a lot of situations where running backs have kind of been squirting out a little bit you know, for positive games that can keep offenses, if not totally on schedule, then, you know, closer than they would be if Texas can make some of those plays in the backfield. And Sarkeesian has mentioned how critical missed tackles will be in this game Saturday. There was way too many last year in that uh, OT victory over Tech. And this year with, with this team, you know, especially as a Kuma, I mean, he's six foot four, two twenty five. He's hard to bring down. It's going to be critical stopping him. Geiger, the same thing. And, of course, their running back, uh, Taj Brooks, just watching him on film, like he's not going to be able to be tackled by your arms or by the ankles. So missed tackles are, are going to be key for this Texas team. We saw what happened against Arkansas. They couldn't bring down any running back, it felt like, or even K.J. Jefferson. It's going to be the same thing on, on Saturday. And I, I almost kind of, you know, think you can look back at the Arkansas loss. And I think Texas Tech is going to have a, a very similar game plan to what Arkansas had against Texas. And it kind of makes me, you know, think, well, okay, Texas already saw what happens when, when a team just attacks them by running the ball instead of throwing the ball. And I think this is going to prepare this Texas defense for what's going to come from, from Texas Tech. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, obviously the response needs to be much, much better. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, some of the choices by Pete Kwiatkowski, who's, you know, really wanted to play like a lot of zone defense, um, you know, bail the cornerbacks on the outside, force quarterbacks, you know, to complete, um, you know, passes underneath. I didn't really like that game plan 
um, against Arkansas with the way that it turned out and, and kind of allowing uh, KJ Jefferson to get a foothold in that game in a way that I think he hadn't really, you know, against Rice the week before. Um, we talked about it last week. I, I don't think, you know, Texas was really much more aggressive. Um, the way that the game flow went, it, it didn't really matter, especially with, you know, Rice losing their their top two quarterbacks. And so I, I think this is a game where that game plan fits a little bit better because Texas is going to take Texas Tech is going to take those shots down the field and they have wide receivers um, who can threaten Texas more. I mean, you know, Traylon Burks is, is a dangerous guy at Arkansas, um, you know, kind of bouncing back from injury. And, and so I think these these Texas Tech wide receivers um, are going to provide a, a significant you know, challenge, especially with their physicality. And so, you know, Deshaun Jamison and Josh Thompson, um, they're going to have to make those tackles as you come outside. Uh, I think, is he leading the FBS in receiving yards per game? I think he's over uh, close to 130 yards and, and over like 11 receptions or so. Is that right? Yeah, I know he's leading the Big 12 for sure, but I, I, I know he was leading college football after week two. I think he's still up there. I can double check that. Yeah, so he's number six in, in yards per game uh, right now with, with 125. So, you know, he's not necessarily a huge big play receiver. He has almost 30 receptions. That puts him at, you know, a little bit under, you know, 13 yards per carry. But, you know, the thing about a, a receiver with his physicality is that, you know, he doesn't have to catch a pass over the top. He, he doesn't have to take a top off the defense to be able to make a big play because he's such a big, strong guy that, you know, he can break those tackles and, you know, I think, you know, if I was, um, you know, Terry Joseph, I would really want to get Josh Thompson matched up on him as much as possible, uh, just because he has a little bit, uh, you know, more size and, and mass to really be able to stop uh, as a comma than, um, you know, Deshaun Jamison, who's, you know, a tough kid, but, you know, maybe 180 pounds soaking wet or so. And I think the Texas DBs have played pretty well this year, but the caveat with that is that they haven't faced a quarterback or an offense like Texas Tech or Tyler Shuck. And they're going to be tested, I think, on Saturday with, with Shuck's arm. He's got a pretty good arm. He um, he made some great throws against FIU that many other quarterbacks just aren't able to make. Um, didn't take a lot of deep shots in the first two games. I think he's getting more comfortable in this offense. But it interesting to see how he'll stack up against this Texas DB unit that hasn't been tested yet this year and last year struggled, especially in this game against Tech versus Alan Bowman. Yeah, and, um, you know, whether it's against the run or the pass, uh, certainly, you know, a lot of pressure on, you know, a guy like B.J. Foster who's had some tackling issues and, you know, hasn't always been a guy who's, who's uh, tackled with a, a lot of uh, really good technique, you know, has a tendency to really want to throw his shoulders and kind of go for that big highlight hit against people. Um, you know, I think Jaron Thompson um, has been a little bit more steady in that regard. Uh, tough to say about, you know, Brendan Schooler. Uh, not not really a lot of reps for him, even though he ostensibly, you know, remains a starter, hasn't been playing it as much as um, has bugged Jaron Thompson back there. And then, um, you know, as well, if, you know, if, if Texas Tech wants to try to take those shots, I think that gives the, the Texas edge rushers an opportunity that they haven't really had, especially, you know, Oak Hofo. And, um, you know, just having some of those longer developing plays and giving them, you know, a chance to get there. Um, you know, Arkansas and Louisiana, both, you know, K.J. Jefferson and, and Levi Lewis are, are both quarterbacks where you have to be, um, you know, really intent with your pass rushing lanes and not get out of them. Because if you give them an opening, you know, they can take off and, and do damage. Certainly, 
you know, Jefferson, maybe a little bit more than Lewis, who, you know, is still a good athlete himself. And uh, just looking at, at Chuck, he's, he's not really, you know, as much of a scrambler. And so I think especially, you know, if Texas can put them into some long down and distance situations, you know, those ends uh, and those edge players can really tee off in a way that they haven't been able to yet this year under uh, PK. Yeah, from what I saw, I did not see Shuck take off on runs that weren't designed. A couple read option plays that I saw him take against uh, Stephen F. Austin that'll be interesting to see if they call that versus Texas because they're going to they're gonna test Texas with play action the entire game, especially off of those inside zone run plays. And it'll be interesting to see if, if Shuck's going to keep on maybe like a third and four where the Texas defense is just keyed in on uh, Taj Brooks or – or whoever, and it can result in a, in a first down easily for Tyler Shuck. Um, on the other end, we've talked about the Texas D-line. Now let's talk about the Texas O-line versus this Texas Tech D-line and, and linebacking unit. And Keith Patterson, the defensive coordinator for Texas Tech, uh, his M.O. this year has been blitzing. He loves the blitz, especially on third down. And if he's watched any Texas tape this year, which I, I'm sure he has, he's going to keep the same strategy and he's going to try and blitz the living hell out of Casey Thompson on Saturday, I think. Yeah, that that's been a big problem for the, the Texas offensive line is being able to have those consistent positive plays. I think, you know, almost a third of the running plays, um, even for, you know, those explosive plays that they had against Rice, you know, they're uh, about a third of the plays were stopped at or near the line of scrimmage in the running game. You know, Texas has been consistently been in, uh, long down and distance situations on second down and third down. Uh, remarkably, they've been very good at converting on third down. Um, I think they're maybe around 55% or so. I'll have to, uh, you know, take a look at that. Let me pull that up real fast. Uh, third down conversions for Texas. Uh, yeah, 50, 56%, um, you know, including you know, some of those plays like have a holding penalty, you know, rare penalties, you know, Sark has helped clean those penalties up this year compared to where they were under Tom Herman with a lot of very undisciplined play in his four years, you know, third and 17, Casey Thompson finds Moochie Dixon, uh, you know, able to convert that. Uh, I think Texas, you know, with the blitzing that, that Texas tech uh, can throw at you and, and, you know, some of those good blitzers on uh, that uh, linebacking core that, you know, is among the best that I, I think I've, you know, seen in, in nearly 20 years of, of watching Texas play Texas tech led by uh, Colin schooler, obviously Brendan's brother there, um, you know, even coming off the edge, they have a little more talent than normal with uh, defensive end Tyree Wilson, who is a Texas A&M transfer. Um, I think some of these, you know, portal guys that Texas A&M has been able to pick up, um, you know, they're players of a quality that is really difficult to recruit, you know, to Lubbock. And so, you know, I think, you know, Matt Wells has really made a very smart decision in, in being able to get those guys out of the portal. Um, there's almost 40 players on the roster who are transfers. And, you know, those transfers really make up a core of, um, you know, a surprisingly talented defense, um, you know, for the Red Raiders. Yeah, it's basically turned into trends for you up in Lubbock. And talk about their defense, feels like their entire defense are all transfers. You just mentioned a couple names. And, of course, their starting quarterback, Tyler Shuck, transferred from Oregon. And he played most of the season last year for the Ducks before Anthony Brown, who was a Boston College transfer, kind of took over in the Pac-12 title game and then in that bowl game. And Shuck kind of saw the writing on the wall. And, you know, Matt Wells probably came to him, Sonny Cumbie, and said, hey, you know, we can almost promise you the, the starting job 
if you want it here at Tech. So doing doing a good job, I think, Matt Wells, of, like you mentioned, getting guys who they couldn't probably recruit out of high school to come to Lubbock. But, you know, this transfer portal, you know, it's unprecedented from what, what we're seeing right now with guys moving from school to school and Texas Tech is really taking advantage of it. And I, I think one thing that I would mention about those transfers, too, is that, you know, when Texas Tech has been able to get, you know, some of their most highly rated recruits out of high school or, or some of their most talented transfers, it seems like a lot of those guys had character red flags that came with them. And, uh, you know, I'm not aware of any of, you know, the type of off-field incidences for this team that defined, you know, a lot of those players in previous years. And so I, I think that, you know, this group of transfers for Texas Tech is, um, is, you know, maybe a little bit more steady, you know, and more reliable and, and more accountable than um, maybe some of those, you know, transfers or, or highly rated recruits who may have had, um, you know, other programs pass on them because of off-field concerns. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point you make. And it could be, we talked about it earlier when we first started about, you know, the future with Texas Tech and, you know, this could be the last home game for Texas against the Red Raiders. Now, there was a talk that came out a few weeks ago about maybe a future agreement between the two schools. It was a report about 20 to 25 years after Texas leaves the Big 12 for the SEC. But the latest things we've heard, we've heard nothing from Texas officials. And the latest reports we've heard is that it's nothing official yet. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, this seemed to be coming mostly from, you know, the, the Texas Tech side initially. Um, Texas Tech AD Kirby Hocutt actually, you know, went on the record and, and talked about um, some of those conversations uh, playing on an annual basis um, in all sports. Uh, Texas Tech officials didn't want to go on the record. Um, they did say off the record, uh, you know, a source report from Brian Davis said it, it's premature uh, to start, you know, talking about that. Um, I, th- I think this is a situation where, you know, as, as BD said, you know, in-state politics are, are now in play. You know, obviously uh, the Texas administration was able to avoid some of the worst political histrionics and shenanigans that might have resulted if the move to the SEC had come out while the legislature was um, still in session. Oh, man. Uh, obviously with uh, Greg Abbott, a Texas alum in the governor's mansion, you know, he's been setting the agenda for the special sessions, uh, the political constituencies of universities like TCU, Baylor and Texas Tech couldn't really do, you know, much more than, you know, hold the special hearing while the Democrats, you know, were in Washington um, a while back and, you know, maybe some some good clips for the news and, and for social media, you know, otherwise didn't really have very much power. You know, certainly, you know, all of the political leverage that they can bring to bear, I think, is is happening behind the scenes, especially, you know, with some of the talk about the economic impact that not playing, you know, Texas could have on communities like Waco, you know, and Lubbock, you know, Fort Worth, I, I would guess, um, you know, to a lesser extent. And, um, you know, I. I don't know. I mean, how, how do you feel about continuing to play Texas Tech in, in multiple sports? Well, first off, I just want to say, forget the Sark hire, forget the Chris Beard hire, forget the Fix Schaefer hire. The fact that the Texas brass could keep this under wraps during the, the state session and when it ended is incredible. You got to give kudos 
yeah. to them for just being able to do that. Because, like you said, oh, I'm just I'm giving getting a headache just thinking about what the Texas message boards or Twitter would be like with A and M fans and Tech fans and Baylor fans and just all the politicians. But I digress. Um, playing Texas Tech, I mean, on the one side, you know, I've, I've seen the arguments. I think Brian Davis outlined it in, in his report that you know it's it's good politically for Texas to continue on playing with Texas Tech. It keeps them happy and yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. It, it seems like Texas Tech, you know, pushing the reports about this annual agreement makes me think that the Texas side is kind of iffy on, on extending uh, a schedule with them for 2025 years. But Texas Tech is putting out in the media so they can get momentum. So people are like, yeah, come on, let's, let's play Texas Tech for 20 years, yada, yada, yada. That, that's what it seems like to yeah. me. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with you know the the schedule. Um, I, you know, if if they're, I, I think it's most Texas is most likely going to be you know playing nine non conference games in the SEC, right? That's a that's the way that it, it splits out the most. So, you know, I think on on one hand, there's not the impetus to be able to to you know schedule those marquee non-conference home games like they have many of which you know have actually been scheduled you know against sec opponents which you know was sort of a um, kind of a, a preview i think in, in in terms of how you know texas was going to end up looking at the future even though a lot of those decisions were made by uh, you know people who are no longer in charge in the administration uh, i'm not sure that it makes sense to commit to playing texas tech every year in football uh, you know, a home and home, you know, switching every year, if that's going to be one of three non-conference games for Texas, you know, especially, you know, with, with this continued divide between, you know, how Texas feels about the rivalry, you know, don't really consider Texas tech, one of their top rivals. They're bringing back multiple other rivalry games. You know, I, I don't think that Texas needs it in football. And, you know, my bias in this is that, I've had a lot of bad experiences with Texas tech fans in person and on the internet. And I would rather not have to interact with them in any way related to football. Um, with Chris Beard, you know, here at basketball, I think, you know, that that's actually, you know, an intriguing storyline, you know, playing a game against a non-conference game against them, you know, every year switching back home and home. You know, I think that that's an intriguing storyline that, you know, the atmosphere in, in Lubbock will certainly be, you know, intense when Texas goes there for the remainder of however many times, you know, they they go up to, to play in Lubbock before they leave the conference. Um, you know, baseball, I think the baseball rivalry, you know, has been good, much better than football. Um, you know, I think it makes sense to have a non-conference series with Texas Tech and baseball. Um, you know, other, other sports I, I don't really have, you know, a strong opinion on, but, you know, personally, um, you know, I would really prefer not to play Texas Tech in, in football because I just don't really I don't really think there's very much upside. And um, Texas football fans not having to deal with Texas Tech fans is is probably a net positive for them. And don't forget that Texas has two opponents for non-conference already booked up all the way through 2031 and then 2032, 2033 already have a home and away versus Arizona State. I don't but know if CDC wants to schedule you know, but how many how, how many of those games are are SEC opponents? There's a handful of them, yeah, right? It's true. Georgia 2028 20, and 2029, 20, Florida 2030, 2031, 20, and then of course Alabama the next two years. So there is some leeway 
for right. change. And, and th- this is important because we don't want to sit here and, and lie to people that Texas doesn't have room on the schedule to play Texas Tech. Like yeah. the type of garbage that Texas A&M, you know, pulled on <laughs> Texas where they're like, oh, we don't have room. And then they're like, they go schedule Colorado and New Mexico State, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Texas will end up doing. This is, I think we're still trying to wait and figure out when the move to the SEC actually will take place. And I'm kind of intrigued to see if it does happen, say, in, in 2023, does Texas move the Alabama game? I mean, I, I can't imagine that Sarkeesian wants to play Alabama in week two, the first year they're in the SEC. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting consideration. Um, I don't think that would be enough to affect the move, but um, you know, certainly one of those storylines to watch out for. With um, and it, it seems kind of crazy that uh, that that series is is going to start next year already. I know it feels like you know five years ago we we're talking about oh yeah we're gonna play Alabama. Texas will be a top five team by then, and uh, not yet. <laughs> Texas was not and is not back, as it turned out. Yep. To the glee of many people around the college football world. Anything else you want to touch on about Texas Tech? Do you want to talk about uh, A&M and, and the, that future, or you want to hold off for another podcast? <laughs> that's probably that's probably for another podcast. Uh, but, a 10-part uh, podcast series on that. Uh, it, it will it will definitely be you know interesting to watch Texas play uh, a style of game against uh, Texas Tech that um, you know they haven't at, at any point I don't think in, in the last 20 years and so what happens on the field at, at DKR on Saturday I, I think will look very different from you know any of the the previous you know Texas Tech games uh, between you know playing against Texas you know since the start of the Mike Leach era so that's uh It'll be it'll be something something very new, uh, you know, coming up here in, in just a matter of hours. Yeah, I touched on in my opponent preview article that will drop Friday morning. I think since 2011, there's only been one. There's only been one game that wasn't a one score game. That was 20, 2017, 2019, excuse me, 2019 when Texas won 49-24. Every game since then has been a one score game. And I think every game since 2009, Texas has scored over, I'm sorry, since 2010, they scored over 30 points. So um, we're used to shootouts every year. But uh, I do like that point where you think that this game might be a little bit different. Um, You know, we're so, we're kind of used to just Tom Herman, Texas games against Texas Tech, or even even any any Texas Tech game in the last decade, where there's just so much stupid stuff that happens, like the onside kick from the Tech game last year. That just is just one of those things where it's like, ah, yep, there we go, here we go again. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm decidedly not a gambler, and I would not recommend that anyone you know take my gambling advice. My sense of how this game is going to go, though, is um, you know that based on the series, you know. It's probably gonna gonna be the under on the point differential and um, and the overall score. Ooh, taking the under. Okay, I think the line was uh, eight and a half when I opened Texas favorite. Yeah, this is uh, uh, this is a stay away for me this week. Uh, I'm still trying to get a read in, on this Texas team, and um, I'm a little bit scared facing uh, an offense like Texas Tech. But I will say, on the record, I do think Alan Bowman is a better quarterback than Tyler Shook. Fair enough. You know, again, just to reiterate, um, don't ever take my gambling advice. That's uh, just spitballing here. 
Well, great. Uh, it was good talking to you, Westcott. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, Texas, Texas Tech, 11 a.m. kickoff. Make sure to subscribe to the Longhorn Republic podcast. And we'll be back next Monday for a quick recap of Steve Sarkeesian's press conference. Westcott, have a good night. Thank you, Cameron. See you.